And we're back. Welcome back to another Practice Makes Perfect podcast episode. It's your favorite Fortnite cast. We're here from also DeFace for you guys. Another episode this week where we cover all things esports, hot takes, fun topics, and of course, what is going down throughout the weeks here. Um, we did release an episode already on the Fortnite podcast strictly about Fortnite and things that are going on inside the game. This podcast here, for those of you guys downloading it for the first time, covers a little bit more of the extra stuff. And this is actually joined with different co-hosts. Um, as usual, we got my boy John Rush on the mic here with us today. What's up, John? Yo, yo. Happy New Year, everybody. 2023, the GOAT year. Get the LeBron trash out of here. Yeah, yeah. All that good stuff. John's very much passionate about his sports. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't throw a, a Vikings jab somewhere in there as well. Uh, we just got drilled last week, so <laughs> I'm shutting up. Yeah. You disown him for a week. We, we'll come back next week. Um, and then we have Connor returning here. Connor, uh, who's one of the, the co-founders of Practice Server, last week or two weeks ago, if you didn't hear the episode, two episodes ago on the Practice Makes Perfect podcast, we had him. We got to talk a little bit about his history inside the space. Go check that out if you haven't already. But and welcome my boy connor what's up bro what's up what's up good to be back it was fun last time so let's make this a consistent thing yes sir yes sir connor you're coming in hot off a rust raid (laughs) you can you just tell the people what like what like peak thrills of a rust raid like what is it what does it do for you does this scratch your dopamine itch like what is it uh yeah it compares to a Fortnite end game and competitive so if you know that feeling it it might almost be more than that it, it everything you work for on the week playing all leads up to defending your loot or losing all your or losing everything on the raid. So, yeah. Can't High confirm. stakes. High stakes. <laughs> High rewards. John, you've, you've gotten your fair share of rust in. How long? How many years? You, you've probably been playing. Uh, I started in COVID. So, like, fe- the February, what would that have been? February 2021 is okay. uh, when I, I got the itch. That's when um, uh, online... Uh, or OT- offline yeah, TV. O- yeah, offline TV. OTV did a server and XQC and Asmongold. It that was really funny, bro. So that's how I got put onto it. And then I've since discovered a love for the game itself and content creators like Blueprint and Frost and Stevie and the best. I would love. This is a dream guest for the podcast. Spoon Kid on the podcast. He doesn't do face cam, but do you ever watch his stuff, Connor? Yeah, I've. I'm a frequent Spoon Kid watcher. We're I spooners, watch them all, bro. So. We are legit spooners. <laughs> That's so funny. So if Rust was released in December 11th of 2013, um, I probably picked it up in like 2014, 2015. I don't think I was one of the first adopters of it, but I played so early on. Um, we had a I stint was, on it. Yeah, we had a, there was a time, guys, where I was like hard addicted to Rust. Uh, but what I, what I want to bring that up for, or it's for real, what I want to bring that up for, though, if it wasn't for Rust's building and the whole like creating a fort thing, I wouldn't have known looking at Fortnite that I would have fallen in love with that game. Because I knew immediately the moment I saw Fortnite, I was like, bro, you could build in that game. I was already hooked on Rust, right? That's like 2017. I was like, nah, dude, I gotta... It's either if I play this game, I'm committing to it, or I'm staying away, like, for good. So I consciously made the decision knowing I was gonna love it, and it was true. I, I did. I got hooked. Yeah, it's so, addictive. Shout out, shout out to Rust, man, but let's kick this off, yo. Let's talk about Talk about what's going on in the week here, John. I mean, you, you listed out a bunch of things for us to kick it off with. If you guys listened to the last Fortnite podcast episode, then you might have heard us touch base on what's going on with Scented, but there has been much more development since then. Uh, today's a whole brand new day on the recording of today. It's January 8th, 2023. So um, look at that. In just a couple days, things have already changed. Today we got some crazy news, some sad news, I would say, but... Before I get there, let's just kind of touch base on Scented. Um, Connor, do you kind of just want to explain what all went down with Scented and him exiting Fortnite? Yeah, so he put out a, a I believe it was first tweeted out by his duo, like before he announced it. Cold was like looking for a duo. Scented's about to quit. And then a couple hours later, Scented puts out, puts out a huge statement like, I'm leaving Fortnite, um, not because I dislike the game, but because of the hate and actions I've I've been, I've been given from the past, so he made his release. He said he was retiring the name Scented and will probably not be back on his Twitter account as that name. I do wonder if he plans on like just rebranding in the future, maybe just trying something different. Like he said, it, it wasn't like quite like, hey, I don't like this game. And he's one of the only players we've ever seen. And John, I don't know if you know this of like in other games or other titles, but 
he is quite literally at the peak of his game. Like he just came in, what was it, third place at the FNCS Invitational um, for the LAN event. Before that, placing again top three season after season. So arguably one of the most consistent um, and or best player in as an individual uh, in Fortnite on NA East region and then globally because he got to prove that at the, at the LAN. So we haven't seen anyone at at this level of peak performance wise exit. Our professional scene of Fortnite. I don't know. You you have a lot of like history across esports. I'm not sure if you ever seen. That yeah, I mean the, the or... yeah league is what comes to my mind. Like, I'm pretty sure when Doublelift took his his break, they were coming off a back of a, a four NA championships in a row, maybe five. I, I need to look it up. And Doublelift, what kind of like his his uh yeah his his retirement uh was more about being kind of just tired and kind of done with the game. But he had he kind of went out on top, and he he has since come back. Literally, we talked about that on the last program. But that is very rare, right? Uh, uh, a traditional sports uh, figure, Connor, that I think of is Andrew Luck from the Colts. Yeah, like who mm-hmm. was like this player that everyone's all oh, man, this dude is going to win two Super Bowls, and he just just stopped. So I hope Senate comes back, man. I don't I don't I don't like seeing people. You know, when he said he's going to retire the name, I'm like, man. Does, he's put so much into it. It hurts me, you know, because we all know what it's like to build something. And man, I just hope he doesn't, I hope he figures it out. Yeah. And again, all this comes off the back of just mental stress. If you guys want more of a deep dive on, on what all led to the harassment he was receiving and some of the mental stressors he was dealing with, listen to the Fortnite podcast episode right before this one on the podcast chain line. Um, a lot of it has to do with Bucky with targeted hate raids and all types of stuff over there. And we gave our, our takes on there, but um, we set that stage to really lead up to other teams leaving at their peak. This is what leads us in today's breaking story, becoming legends, the, uh, you know, just quote unquote goats of the space here when it comes down to organizations, who is doing it and who's doing it right. BL has had what I would call the most meteoric rise any org can have from a zero to hero story, a team that came in, built the brand from scratch, did it right, did it their way and really set the example, raise the bar for other orgs to look up to and try to, you know, set out to achieve the accomplishments that they managed to do. Um, And it's not just what they built as an org. It's the value they brought to the players around them. They were one of the first institutions, organizations in our space to open up different facilities across EU and allowing other players from other orgs and teams to come in and join their participants, their players at facilities to really boot camp and take Fortnite as an esports serious where other teams just didn't even try, right? So, Connor, I mean, you've been in the game for a long time. Uh, BL leaving the scene is is really on. Is like truly just it sucks. Sucks for the whole space. Yeah, it does. Uh, BL was like one of the only orgs doing it right in Fortnite. They were putting out great content with their players. They were flying them out for boot camps, like you mentioned. They were they were doing some of the best Fortnite content we have seen from an organization. Um, it really sucks to see them leave because I know the owner Reno put so much time into trying to make this work as a Fortnite organization. But unfortunately, they just I, I, we don't know the exact details, obviously, but they just couldn't make it work to how they had it. And, and John, you can pull this up on the stream here so the people in the chat can, can see it. I saw you gl- glance through it for a second. I'm going to read it for the for the folks listening in here. And if you are listening for the first time, first off, I want to say a thank you. But for those of you guys that are unfamiliar with this program, with this podcast in particular, we do it and host it live every Sunday. So you can actually tune in and kind of see in real time uh, not only the visual elements, but of course, this entire thing and interact with us here. Um, with that, Reno was... Um, I want to say he was emotional. He was actually emotional when he took to Twitter, just talking about, hey, man, I really can't talk about it today. Like, I have more that I want to say, but I don't, I don't even feel comfortable um, expressing what's going on right now. And he, he just pretty much hits offline, and, and he, he takes a break from, from, all the, uh, from all the socials here. The first player to get, I don't want to say drop, but basically formally released from Becoming Legends was Seti against Seti. And Cami, our most recent champions of the FNCS land that just occurred. Um, and again, it's just a super heartfelt message. But I'm going to read out the Becoming Legends announcement, if you will, and their departure. Because this is not the end of the road for them in esports. Uh, this is only the beginning of what will be their next chapter here. But they basically start their thing off by saying it is time to uh, it's time for a new chapter. We've unfortunately decided to announce that Become Legends 
will not compete in Fortnite 2023. Over the last three and a half years, we've worked with many fantastic players and content creators. Many legendary storylines were created and established from BL as one of the top competitive and content teams globally. Thanks to a fantastic support from fans of the Poland, the Nordics, and all around the world, you have elevated us. You made us feel supported in every step that we took, something we will never forget. And much of the success is all because of you. So thanks to you and your passion and your love for the team. We'd like to thank all the player staff and our Fortnite family for the most incredible journey of our lives and for sharing these moments with us. Pushing Frontiers has always been in our DNA. Moving forward, Become Legends will go in a brand new direction. The steps will be revealed in the coming months. Forever and ever, hashtag BL on top. So I think it's a... It's very telling that they say in the coming months, they don't want to just jump into, okay, we're done with Fortnite. We're jumping right into something else. I think they're going to allow all of the contracts to expire, everything to kind of simmer down for them to really, uh, I guess, in retrospect, look at, okay, what resources do we have? What do we build? What worked? What really worked right throughout from when we began Fortnite? Let's take all of our learnings to where we are today that made people fall in love with the brand. And then they're going to, you know, basically launch their endeavor in a new game. Um, like I said at the start of this, if you could do it in Fortnite, I think you could do it anywhere. Well, I think what's uh, interesting about this is that the like one of the recent orgs was Sentinels, and who of course hold um the only World Cup winner we have so far in the game, and then become legends. You briefly mentioned it, Monster, but I mean the three of us were there in person and watched them dominate in the first in person event um in years and it's just it's just wild to see these orgs again not like kind of like send it as an individual from a from a winning perspective um kind of leave when they're on top but there must be a money problem um i maybe i mean i've saw i've seen a lot of statements recently from orgs and people saying that there's going to be a major change in how esports orgs are run because of all the changes we've seen recently, like we know if we want to talk about other changes, C9 dropped their Valorant, their C9 white team, their female team. When they were at the very top, they were winning everything in Valorant. So just based off that and all of this, we've seen everyone talking about how there's going to be a huge change in how these esports organizations are run and people realizing that this investor money and all the venture capitalists coming into the space, they're not seeing the return they want. And it's going to have a major change in how the entire esports organization slate is going to work in the near future. And I don't really know what like the high end top, you know, that what that elite circle of investor money looks like. But I was sitting down and I just caught myself in thought today. I almost just pulled out the, the DSLR, set it up and recorded this thought. But the thought was, and I saved it for the podcast. I'm thinking it's a lot of the same investors. Like it's the same circles. They have to know each other. All of them have to be, you know, kind of jumping into this space. You know, it's, there's no secrets up there. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that are being lost. If we'd be foolish not to think these folks know of one another in some capacity, right? So it doesn't seem like a coincidence is what I'm trying to say of how many people are backing out of the space. Think of NRG, and I'm just going to look at Fortnite in particular. NRG effectively released their entire roster. Um, 100 Thieves, almost non-existent as far as their footprint in Fortnite goes. FaZe Clan. You know, honestly, who do they have, right? A couple content creators, but these people- little dubs. Right, they're they're kind of really woven in like that's something that these as well. They weave them into the brand. They keep them, you know, long beyond the game. But like, there are no more tier one organizations left in Fortnite. Uh, Dignitas would be the closest, but they're also one of the most recent to kind of step up and take on the challenge that is uh, breaking into the Fortnite space. Um, there's just so much real estate. There's so many great players and and amazing talent available for picking up right now. But there's definitely not the funding to support all of the great talent that's in the space here currently which is um, which and i is see int- that because it's, it's inflated which is interesting and i want to i want to bring one of our other topics in just to, to enrich this conversation because you know our friend at uh uh shout out to kinch analytics um just on the 7th was was highlighting for us that this eu solo cash cup boasted to uh over two hundred thousand people in which he said um, was an, uh, a conservative uh, number, which is a which that's a high amount of people participating in one thing from one region. And so, uh, honestly, it's I'm like, where is the money? Like, what's missing? And I'm I'm 
I may just be ignorant asking that. I just don't get it. Um, well, one thing I will say is I think the main reason is because other games theoretically are paying organizations to fund these teams. And Fortnite isn't really Fortnite doesn't do that. There's not really any branding alongside. So like in the CDL, they have like their own tournaments, they have their own skins in game that go towards orgs. And then Counter Strike does that with the stickers, and you have that for other games. I believe in the Riot thing, like a spot is worth fifteen million that you could sell or something along those lines for their league. So every other game is making you money in some sort of way, while as Fortnite doesn't necessarily have that in it built out currently. Which we've we've talked about that on the program before, like our franchise good or bad. But that is a really good point. Yeah, I've heard I think the 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 uh median number for a, a CDL spot or a um or a riot spot is fifteen million. Yeah, in and, and remember the the whole G two thing that went down, like with them did they fully lose their spot? They were close to losing their spot. They lost their spot, but they can have an ascension team, which is basically the tier below. So it, it, that just kind of shows you how much of a blowback, like Carlos from G two, caused the organization. We're talking about a space that, as is, is pretty difficult to come across uh, the funding and, and and keep the lights on and stuff like that to turn profit margins around. So when you start losing what could be a substantial chunk of all of that, then you see why the organizations take it so seriously. Um, and yeah, those ramifications like are in, in, insane, pretty insane. Like you know, again, that's with him losing everything. Um, you you talked about two hundred thousand EU users playing competitive, like just in EU alone, and that being a potential conservative number. There was a time and place where we would see the number like fifty thousand players participating. So Fortnite has continued to grow with the release of Zero Build. One of the raising concerns, as we just kind of touch on this topic, and this is something we don't have to sit too much on but the competitive schedule now more than ever is as cluttered as ever there this saturday there's all the talking i'm not sure if you saw this but like archie the guest that we've had Mm -hmm. here on the podcast before um and other professional players alike jumped into discussion uh quite literally yesterday talking about how are we able or how are we supposed to draw in people to our channels if you are running and he's talking about fortnite and epic games here Three events at the same exact time while we're trying to, like, you know, build competitive. Like, how is comp supposed to grow? How is there supposed to be a, a attracted fandom to this game, to this section? If you're not even giving us time to just be, like, the only people in the category for a little bit competing at the highest level. And I think he brought up a great point because it's true. Like, when FNCS comes around and that Saturday comes, I hope, I hope they're not hosting zero builds. I hope. They're not hosting, you know, any of these other little things, and they give all the glory to the FNCS show and the participants that are going to be live that weekend. And if they do, I hope that the numbers show that when people aren't planning in these tournaments, now they start to watch them. So I don't know if that's the strategy here, Connor, or if they're just like filling up the air because they want to again just cater to the players. Because obviously, the money comes in when players are playing the game; and they're buying skins, so. Is I think it, that's it, how they want it. Greedy? Is it? Is it the greed? Is it the money? I don't think it's the money. I think they, it's how they want it. Fortnite has always been a anybody can play and win type system. And just recently in this season, we saw you can no longer play other regions for zero builds. You can't play in any of the elite cups or any other region. I believe it was different before. And you, so basically multi-regional tournament play is gone. They, they really love the everybody play, everybody compete type mentality. So they're setting it up. So like, all right, all the pros are going to go play the builds. And then you're making a choice now. Are you a zero build player or are you a build player? And they're starting to split that community up to find like their core balance. I think like, I really believe this is on purpose. They want, they're also hosting a solo cup on that Saturday. So they want the solo players. You go over there. Then you have the zero build player over there. You have the arena tryhard players over there. So I think they're doing this on purpose to split the player base and make it so literally anybody could play and compete and win. Which that part I like. From a for the user in terms of the player, but I do think that there is still a very there's a lot of noise when it comes to who I'm supposed to be watching as just a viewer. Yeah, so Fortnite, I mean, listen, they've just continued to make it not only difficult for the individual players to grow, like we mentioned about all, all the events happening at the same time, but 
they, they've made it pretty tough for organizations to, to thrive in this space. And this is why we're seeing that, that ramped up, the, almost the amplification of teams exiting the space much faster than new orgs are joining in. I mean, there was a time where you would see just, you know, org after org almost entering in week after week, you know, really just trying to figure it out. That has become um, less and less evident. Like, you know, there's just less and less appearances of, of new teams coming in. So it's going to be a very interesting year. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not extremely bullish on, you know, a game's competitive ecosystem needs an, an org to, you know, system to kind of thrive and survive. But there's this perception, and at least amongst gamers, that being signed to a team makes you an official professional and recognized player, right? When you're earning that salary. So that's kind of the other catch to it. You want people to take it serious and feel like they're making progress in life. You kind of do need it. You don't need it, but you kind of do at the same time for the creator's sake. Well, I think that brings up a great, another one of our news topics today. And I wonder if this has any direct correlation. Um, uh, but Myth tweeted on January 7th that he, he wants to, he says, I want to explore signing a Valorant team, uh, paying them, and then doing watch parties slash rooting for them. Does anyone know any FA teams? And I'm like, what does that look like? Is that an org question mark? Is this maybe like an org light where maybe there is way less, you know, fluctuating investor money, less resources you need to run it, and it helps the players? What do you guys think? Well, here's, here's the thing, right? Myth knows better than anyone what that dashboard looks like when you have tens and tens and tens of thousands of viewers for any given amount of hours, how much he generates in that stream alone. Let's be conservative. Let's say it's $4,000. Let's say it's five or six, right? $1,000 that you make in a single session watching players game. That in its own can be a small-time salary for a couple players, right? You do that a few times a month, all of a sudden you're just turning profit just from watching what you are already investing in. And let's not forget the amplified numbers that's going to come with it. So on a surface-level pitch, Myth is spot on leveraging his influence and, and, and all of that to try to get involved with like signing a team because he, unlike other investors, has a way to generate income without the need of any other injections, right? He has what they, you know, crave marketing and a, and a means to get, you know, people involved. Now, what happens when you do merch? What happens when you take like that moist critical route? You double down in the game that you, you know, kind of grew up in the, the melee community, the smash community. Like, you're going to get a lot of investment out of that. Look at Ludwig and the way he hosts the tournaments. Yeah, a lot of that, what he says is, you know, millions of dollars in, and he'd be lucky to break even. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he comes off a little over, a little under. But it's all marketing at the end of the day. He's growing, right, much faster and bigger, and he's he's turning a, a better generate, uh, generator as far as the money income. So I think Myth picking up a Valorant roster is the first of many high-level, big, influencers starting to recognize like they are literally the key holders to the space right now and to me that's empowering and that's yeah. pretty exciting connor how does it work though does the team that he would sponsor are they like locked out of like i don't even know i don't i'm not that familiar with how valorant competitive works is this a team that feasibly could win worlds or or they would just be playing in smaller tournaments you mute on discord you're muted, baby. Oh, so how it would work is there would be a they would be in the Ascension League in Valorant, which is their division anyone can play and compete in. I believe it's starting in like five days. So if you looked at the tweet, everyone was saying, if, "Hey, if you're doing this, you need to do this quick because this is <laughs> it's starting in like five days." The Ascension League is so they would play in that and they would just try to make their way up through the Ascension League to try to qualify. I believe how it works is they qualify for like an international tournament and then they can like make their way into the league. I'm not a hundred percent sure on it, but I was gonna say. Monster brought it up briefly, but there there was already a case study on this. Moist Critical has has his own org. They have a Rocket League, Smash, and Apex team, and I believe their Rocket League team is considered one of the better Rocket League teams. I'm not fully indulged in the scene, but from what I remember, they are they are they are like a high caliber team in Rocket League. So this has already been done. It still is a thing, and I, from what I know, Moist does viewing parties as Rocket League streams all the time for any game they're competing in. So this is a, this this is proven to work, and it can work if it's done right. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, there's, there's a lot that's been happening um, uh, that we, we want to talk about today. One of them um, is that um, just that kind of puts a question mark in the future of content creation um, is we got to see 
um, our first AI Twitch streamer in action, reading uh, chat and um, making money. And uh, post the question, how many things will AI take over for us? Yo, so I, I saw this. Uh, shout out to Jake Sucky, man. This dude, like, he's a gremlin for social media. This dude <laughs> finds everything. A lot of the cool stuff that we, we talk about it and bring to this this podcast in particular comes from Jake Sucky. So shout out to him. Without him, we I wouldn't have never seen this before. Uh, but yeah, dude, so to me, this is like, this is, okay. I feel like it was inevitable, right? Like, like we're going to get to a point to where this could happen. And I say that because if you guys think way back on Twitch, there used to be like Twitch plays Pokemon, like and basically literal Pokemon chat controls up, down, left, right. And that was like one of the biggest like marathons and things that would happen on Twitch on a regular basis um, year after year. So I kind of felt like AI streaming was, it was just a matter of time, but to see how this one in particular kind of just hit the mainstream and how good it is. Like, it's not even like, Oh, hey, AI streaming's here. Ha ha, look at how yeah. bad this is. No, like, this is like, it looks done. It yeah. looks like it is literally a full product. It, That's kind of what scares me most. It or she was reading chat. We'll play a little clip from uh, from Jake's uh, Twitter just so y'all can listen and see just a little bit of how it's what interacting. What do I call a cow with two legs? Your mom. Playing Minecraft, by the way. I feel like a cow with two legs. Your mom. <laughs> Got him. I'm not your mother. I'm an AI. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, I was actively playing Minecraft for our listeners as well as reading the actual chat. And and listen, like I said, and it does it like in such a like organic way. It has a, a sense of uh, comedic value behind it. It's sarcastic at times. It's not just, you know, directly answering basic level questions. There's like, again, a, a sense of its own. Uh, humor attached to it so it is very interesting um jake sucky goes on to just talk about how he kind of interviewed the developer and and went a little bit more behind the scenes of like what it takes to again get this kind of uprooted and started on twitch and the dev kind of interestingly basically said um i would share more but i can't share too much because i'm afraid competitors will get the drop on it so he's really being aggressive and trying to be first to market to grow this um, and when I tuned in, it did have several hundred viewers interacting with it. Um, and it looks like just at the speed of the chat, for those of you guys that if, if you did tune in live, it is flying by. That clip looks like it's now grown to possibly thousands at, at a singular given time. Donations come in, subscriptions, like we talked about before, ad revenue. So this is a, this is a machine that's essentially running a full-on entertainment channel, and it can run 24-7. So like incredible right and, and you know the only thing i can like thinking about the money potential the content potential the only thing that i've seen like this um it's not even ai but an old halo pro his name is nated he still has a pretty like loyal fan base and he will leave his stream on and just run his old montages and people lurk like 50 people at a time and he just he's far, he farms ads and donos like even when he's not streaming again i don't know the back end of that but i'm like this is that times a bill. I mean, think about it. I mean, you don't have to stream to stream and are people going to pay for that? I, I... Yeah, it's a, it's a business. And now that he has the AI, I mean, there's nothing stopping him from launching adjacent channels, different personalities, different voices, uh, different looks. Like this can really go a lot of different ways. Oh, one thing we failed to mention, it actually plays the game too, just yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a mouthpiece. It's not just oh, I'm smart, I'm witty, and I can answer questions sarcastically or anything like that. It can play the games at a high level, which is so questionable in its own because when you watch it play that Osu game that you're following, the music, it is playing like, dude, it, it's just aimbot. It's, it's a machine destroying like these incredible record pacing, uh, uh, like accuracy. Like it's just, it's wild. It's so wild. Well, I mean, let's not like, I think AI right now is on a huge uptrend. Like if you just look all over the internet, like there was like chat GPT, uh-huh. like that's an AI bot responding to you. Yep. Then there's the AI art, there's AI everything right now that everyone's getting into. And AI is scarily going to be like the future depending I was, on how it's used. I was, um, I was officiating a wedding this Thursday. Leighton got married, by the way. 
uh, nice. monster. <laughs> Shout out Layton. He's an inside friend Shout of ours. Shout out Layton. Very, very talented motion graphics artist. Um, and commentator if he wanted to be, but he's an accountant and that's what he wants to be. But, uh, but I, I, to mess with him, I, I put in chat GPT how to get, like, what's a good wedding speech? And bro, it wrote a pretty good wedding speech. Like, I almost used it. Like, it was, I was heartfelt, bro. Like, ah, uh, and that's just like the beta, 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 alpha, alpha of that. John was like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of that inspiration came directly from this, this, this chat artificial AI generator. It's crazy, dude. It's so crazy. So what we're seeing now, what this is telling us is um, AI is successfully invading creative spaces where before you wouldn't think that would be possible. Mm-hmm. Machine automation, you know, obviously attacked the service industry first, beginning way back when with um, probably the, the start of vehicles you're yeah. right, being created and all yep. that good stuff you know there, there's a whole entire era go back to 19 i don't know 30s or something like that shout like, out the ford family what yeah know. you know ford <laughs> and all that you know i wish i wish i was more versed and i could recall my high school lessons and classes yeah but but that's that's where it all stems from it, it invaded first then there was you know obviously a couple years ago talk of how um machines are replacing humans in the workforce and that was always a concern now we're literally seeing machines replace people in the creative workspace, which you wouldn't have even think was fathomable. I be- like if you asked me a couple years ago, you wouldn't think that AI would be drawing like some of these incredible pieces of art. Now they can do these speech things where they can literally talk and create sentences and ideas. Um, it's wild. I watched a friend actually ask it uh, how to get away with murder, and it's like, hey, if you murder someone, you should go call the cops. So they, there's some there's some crazy levels in there that they had to bake in on a security level. So, uh, yeah, man, it's 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 fun stuff, but it it's definitely crazy, and and it's here. It's definitely here. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. I, I definitely think that this is just a question to think about when it comes to the the creative uh, space of like that. I, we were all memeing about the profile pic app thing but i mean think if, if it can do that with 10 photos think about word dumping titles fortnite themes you know whatever like creating logos yeah it, it, could, it could probably a whole broadcast package <laughs> yeah i guarantee you somebody I, there has to be some workable ai that could probably auto generate a esports broadcast graphics package in a matter John, of minutes. you want a side hustle right now i got the i got a Hundred easy hundred K idea right now. Let's go. Yes, sir. <laughs> Open a Fiverr account, become an artist, and literally just AI generate stuff. And I, I guarantee you, you'll be able to make logos on Fiverr for people. Let's go. Fifty dollars. I bet that's already being done. I bet that's it's also that's already being done. done. It's already you can being join done. today, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, we're, we're giving that free to the community. We give you guys a free. That's an alley oop on how to make a few thousand dollars this month. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of uh, just seeing um, industries change and develop and the impact of technology, um, the man himself, Turner, uh, aka Tifu, had a pretty uh, is, what's the word? Poignant? Is that the word? I wanted to use a big word. Uh, just rant on kind of the current state of combining console and controller and PC, specifically around the new war zone that is hotly contested. Um, let's, uh, let's take a listen to that and watch it. If, uh, if you're tuning in, I'm doing all that I can do and it's just not enough for this terrible zero skill gap, dog shit, fucking boomer controller, fucking idiot plasma screen TV, fucking seven kids, fucking default fucking GameStop remote from 2008 fucking console, fucking Xbox one bullshit dog shit game, dude. Turtle beaches, fucking connect mic, <laughs> fucking Wi-Fi adapter on the back, fucking. I'm doing. <laughs> he just goes in, bro. So listen, Tifu's always been a person who he speaks his mind, right? Is is a very much opinionated person. Um, but I think, and this is just me, I think he's speaking facts, man. I think he's speaking facts from frustration here. Um, this is someone who like I said, has dedicated his life to his, his craft on PC. And John and I kind of briefly spun this up in discussion about where we were and where, you know, he is like in his opinion. And John initially was like, Hey, 
Like, do you think Tifu's talking about the skill gap of games being lowered? And I think where Tifu's coming from is more like PC games were not designed to have controller users playing them. And Shroud, a couple years ago, and I wish we had the clip and I wish I could pull it up, but Shroud almost specifically talked about, you know, like, controllers on PC, this is kind of new. Like, aim assist on PC, it was just never really supposed to go down like this. So, yes, it's going to be powerful. Yes, it's going to be strong. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening now. Um, I mean, Connor, what's what's your take on on this whole thing? Because, I mean, Tifu, like he said, he's basically just saying, like, dude, I could practice all I want, but, like, some dude with a most basic level Xbox controller can pick it up and destroy me. Uh, I would say that Fortnite changed gaming forever. Because this was, I, I, I personally know, but this was, like, almost unheard of, of everyone playing together until Fortnite released or was a thing. So... It changed gaming completely because there was a time in Fortnite where I mean, there still was where pros that were on keyboards were switching the controller and that was never a thing either. And it was just changing like all of the time. There were pros switching back and forth like an epic whale in Fortnite was switching back and forth on controller or keyboard, whatever meta was stronger at the time. And it's almost unheard of on like before Fortnite that this was a thing. You have people that are abusing aim assist on a controller to gain an advantage so yeah and you know what you're right i think fortnite definitely changed the entire landscape and also let's not forget fortnite was the game the de- it was the dev team that started breaking down the walls of like forget xbox forget playstation you guys are on console like play together compete against one another that was never ever ever seen and adopted um almost you know just just across the ecosystem the way we see it now and today, and, and they've changed the landscape forever, even in that regard. And then again, like we said, seeing those same console players join in like these all-in-one lobbies on Fortnite. Yeah, I think how I took it that that did make me offended for a second was I feel like, and honestly, he like, you know, the seven kids thing. You know, I have two kids. And listen, bro, like I used to, like the majority of my, I've probably played more video games than I've ever if you did the math, I have probably played more video games than I've ever hiked or walked in a forest or touched literal grass or worked out or <laughs> any. Like, I just have. Like, like, I just have. Like, I lived in from, from Empire Earth to Age of Empires to the original Star Wars real-time strategy games to Rome Total War into being addicted to World of Warcraft and almost failing to, to no life in Halo 3 and Call of Duty Modern Warfare in high school. I can't do that right now in my life. And I think what I reacted to him, maybe I'm just being defensive, is he's saying, like, if you can't put the time in, game shouldn't be made for you. And I'm like, bro, I still need a game I can pick up and play. And I'm not going to lie, some of the elements of this new Warzone feel like it did level the playing field for me versus when I drop into the old Warzone and some kid on 9G Fuels who plays 12 hours like I used to just rolls me and it wasn't fun. So that's how I took it. But I do think that I do see what y'all are saying too. Yeah, like I said, that that's just my take on it. He could totally be like angling this in a way that the way you kind of interpreted it, like games are just becoming too easy and, and he's not happy about that. And that's why he doesn't like the Warzone product. But I think he's just taking it again, just a, a maybe a step back from there. I, I really genuinely just think that he's saying like controllers in general are broken and that's the pinpoint of his frustration here. But just to talk about what you mentioned, like games being easier as opposed to having these skill caps or skill gaps and mechanics that kind of separate the good from the bad. Fortnite is an excellent example of a game that will do everything in its power to simplify mechanics down. Yeah. Believe it or not, we've seen it so many times. There have been all types of techniques that have been developed that quite literally have a skill cap behind it, but they'll remove it. They'll adjust it. They'll nerf it. They'll change the mechanic, right, to make it simpler. Yeah, John, I mean, we know an example of this. We play Rust. They completely changed the recoil to make it easier for okay. new players to play. I thought play. you were about to say console Rust, because console Rust <laughs> is an actual meme. That's no, a no, meme. No. That's an atrocity. No, but they completely changed recoil to make it better for newer players because the skill gap was so hard to get into. So they're also taking the way of trying to make it easier for newer players to get into so you don't have to indulge all these hours into the game. And I'm not hey, going to lie. There is this other game, though. Go but, ahead, John. Go ahead. Well, I'm not going to lie. That, that, that really helped me. Like... And again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not asking for, see, this is what's hard, is I get that in principle what I'm asking for is for games to be easier. 
but at this, but I don't want that. Like, I'm not asking for, like, I don't like the idea of, of a lower skill gap, but I just need something to meet me in the middle. I don't know. See, my thing is though, I, I think the developers themselves need to d- decide what kind of product they want to make. Um, to me, it's very clear when Call of Duty, when Rust and these other game devs lower that entry barrier for like players to really just be onboarded, it, it sets a precedent that they're never going to look back. Their goal is a lot of players, period. Like, and that's where the discussion starts and ends. And you need to understand that right then and there. The game will not become probably ever what you want it to be, like a highly competitive game. If you want a competitive game, pick up Counter-Strike, right? If you want a hard and difficult game, the latest one that I've just grown to love, Dark and Darker. Sick game. It's not even public yet. You can only play in beta in like one week stints. It is so good. It's like as hardcore as it gets. You, you know, when you when you die, you lose all your gear, and and that's just it, right? You know what I mean? Like super hardcore. So, and they're not pandering to the player base yet, right? Who knows? You get popular, they get public, make money. All of a sudden, you know, they make it easy. But again, as of right now, the dev team is true to to what they are. But it's like when the product gets big enough, Rust Two again, ten years has been in the business. Ten years eventually their probably their goals change right but, but it easier but this is what i think is unique about this war zone thing in rust okay I, as a player i have 600 and connor you should tell publicly how many rust hours you have i have 600 2000. okay you have two, a lot. okay i have i have well i have 683 um but you're probably way better than me but that recoil update i have a tommy shot now like i can compete like it, it changed the game for me however Connor and his boys would still roll me. And here's the problem I have with this Warzone argument. I feel like they're making excuses. You're still better. Like, you, the way you are better, though, has just changed. And I just feel like there is, there is this thing with this new Warzone update that makes it feel like, like they're, they're mad that the skill has changed. But, but I'm just kind of like, if you're so good, just get good. Like, I don't know, bro. Like, I still watch Joe Wu. I still watch these guys dominate. I'm, I don't know. I would agree because the way it changed in Rust is positioning, and it's probably the same in Warzone. If you're just running out, if you're running out in the open, you're gonna get anybody. Can anyone's gonna shoot you if you're sitting out in the open or not playing like smarter? Like I get all these streamers want to go for high high kill games or like get hundred kill wins or whatever they're going for. But if you're gonna if you're gonna play stupid, you're gonna get killed. That's just how it works. It's the same thing in most video games. So yeah. Well, I could I could rant about this for a billion years because Warzone and Rust are my <laughs> two games. Um, but there's a couple other uh, topics that we wanted to cover tonight. Um, and uh, these these uh, next two really just as we, as we close out. The, oh my gosh, no guys, 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 we forgot a big one. That I just remembered. Speaking of controller, speaking of Fortnite, there was a very important tweet that happened, which maybe did we cover on the Fortnite podcast? iOS, Fortnite. Happening. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we did. We talked okay. about it. iOS returning the the Fortnite. Like I said before, if you want anything Fortnite, we definitely cover that one. Uh, I agree with you. That's a headline, undoubtedly. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for that because I'm just excited for like Epic to like continue to rake in the dollars. Hopefully, you know, with that we see more of a you know, <laughs> more tournaments, trickle, bigger yeah, tournaments, you know, something like that. <laughs> off the board. Uh, so yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and so yeah, t- on on December thirty first, Tim Sweeney, who is the founder and CEO of Epic Games, tweeted, um, "What what was it? it? Was just very simple. He just said next year on iOS, and so that's all he had to say. Toss yep, the mic. That'll be great. <laughs> uh, that will be some really good time. I love farming mobile players. I loved when that first happened. That happened. Y'all remember this? When that happened in the game, that was also in Heavy Sniper meta, and so I'm why." <laughs> I got there with my long gun. <laughs> I see them tablet kids in Fortnite, bro. And I just, some of my best clips, probably my only clips in Fortnite, have come from that era where mobile and, and uh, players got merged and I had a heavy, one shot heavy sniper. Bro, I'm popping them kids running into trees, bro. That's actually hilarious. I, I, back, when, uh, back when mobile was out, I, I mean, I have a, cl- a video on YouTube. I think I'm wearing like the John Wick fit and I drop like 10 kills on mobile. Like I never play mobile in my life. I pick it up and I was just like, yeah, let me just show you guys how, how bad these players are. Game sense. Watch this. And like I, I literally go to, you know, go to like catch a victory right on that. And that felt really cool. Um, I ended up dropping a screenshot in the, in the Discord chat. The last time I opened Rust was May 
29, 2020, 129 hours total play. But before that was probably a few years. Like, yeah, just to show you how, like, I, I haven't touched Rust in a long time. So, yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably trash. Bro, when they get, the, they're, they, they said they're going to add pets in that game. It's over, bro. I'm raising that <laughs> digital cat until I die, bro. <laughs> That's the distraction I'm looking for. Hey, these uh, these these last two topics, we won't go long on them, but just we always do like to give a social aspect, a social media aspect, and just look at how people are reacting and communicating on the internet as a whole. It's our goal that with this practice server content, we're talking to people not just about how to be better uh, gamers or even creators, but just better people, you know. And that's not our, you know, we know that's not our main lane, but we do think that there's a lot of great crossovers. Um, no, we're not talking about Aiden Ross's bodyguard breaking his arm on stream, Ugh. although that was wild, that was crazy, and uh, that's hard to watch. That that is crazy, but. You know, in the world of traditional sports, something that I feel like pretty much anyone on the internet saw, um, and Connor, you probably know, you might know some of the more details than me, um, but uh, a Buffalo Bills player was injured and um, very hurt. They basically clinically died um, and was resuscitated and is now okay. Do you have any updates on, on that front while I set up the other, the other aspect of the topic, Connor? Yeah, so it was DeMar Hamlin. He went to go make a tackle on Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's tight end, T. Higgins. Uh, routine tackle. Everyone thought it was normal. Stood up, collapsed on the field. It might have been the scariest thing I've watched in football. They were, they were giving CPR on the field. Paramedics came out. And he was in the hospital for two days in critical condition. But I believe yesterday he woke up. Uh, he, put a, he put a picture on Twitter. He watched the Bills games today. Um, and he's... He's slowly getting back to normal. But the scariest part about that for me is I actually went to high school with him. He graduated uh, a year, two what? years or a year before me. Yeah. So so ever, I knew I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I'm not going to say we were friends. But just like going to high school games or whatever, you knew he was going to be a star. So that, that 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 just had a little more personal home because, you know, he's from my town. So, yeah. yeah that, that, that proximity effect right there for sure. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, though, like just talking about like, you know, how sports can be dangerous. And you don't really even think they're going to be or turn out to be that dangerous, but like concussions and these things are, these are like real um, issues that can occur at any given time with one blow to the head. Uh, yesterday, I just watched uh, Javante Davis versus Hector Garcia. I'm a big, you know, sports boxing UFC fan. And the dude survives around, but sits down and still doesn't know where he is. It's almost like you caught a flash concussion and they stopped the fight. So like, like that is how you could be on your feet, literally, physically look like you're okay, but mentally you are not there. Your body or your mind, you know, left your body a couple moments ago from when you got hit. That's almost what that like football hit look like too, right? Like you get up, like you're physically fine. And then you're, you're just not going you fall. Yeah. Uh, but like again, I just watched this like yesterday, and that was the first thing I thought of. Like, dude, that Crazy. guy just literally had a concussion, like while standing on his feet. Like, it was, was the same good. thing with the Dolphins quarterback with Tua. You saw him get up, and he was wobbling, and that was, and he's had, th he's 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 on his third concussion now in like two months, and everyone's like, whoa, this guy, like, he's gonna, his brain is gonna be messed up, yeah. like doing this. So he hasn't played in the last two weeks, which is obviously the right decision. But everyone, there's a lot of people debating on like if he should keep playing football, having that many brain traumas in the in less than two months which is super scary because you know that's the one body part you can't really replace is your brain so right. that's like the one that you you got to protect that so yeah and though the aspect of it that i felt like reminded me so much of what we see on twitch um in our space was um and um kind of really the question is is this appropriate conversation um is in the midst of all this injury there's a media personality named skip bayless who is very much i <laughs> I don't know how to, I would almost feel like he's kind of like a train wrecks personality in the sports world. Like just a very like out there person. And he's known for that. And in, while we don't know if this person is alive, this is, this is, this is the tweet and we'll put it up for our, 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 uh, our live stream viewers. He says, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how this late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant and on my algorithm the first reply and honestly maybe the one we got the most interaction or some of them which is interesting is is, is a uh, courage uh replied wow this is disgusting and uh, got a lot of traction on that so impacts us hey, there but here here's my thing I'm, I'm fairly certain like when you read this and what it means on an english level it's just been misinterpreted 
Okay. No, it was super I, misinterpreted. You I'll, can okay, okay, tell, tell, tell us. He is, defend, is he not defending the, the he's he's defending the fact that the se- like the season is irrelevant. Put it aside. This guy's he, health comes first. But the way it's worded is so funny Ad. that it's actually largely misinterpreted by the masses, including you, I believe, like John, because he's actually not disregarding this player's health. He's saying that the season is irrelevant, but the way it's structured is such a miss, right? Yeah. Well, he said, he said it completely wrong, but I think the way he's saying it is like, who cares? It's irrelevant. Because of what's happening on the field with Demar, we only care about him. But the way when I read it at the time, I was like, "Yeah, what is this guy talking about? Like, yeah. are, do you, are you, everyone is watching this. How are you tweeting it like this?" And he yeah, he, he could have worded it way better. But literally, yeah. even if he didn't word it better, technically, if you interpret exactly what he's saying, he's not saying what you think he's saying. He is defending the argument that who cares about the season? This player's health is more important. Okay, but the, here here's here is which. I think what you guys just brought up is an incredible piece of education and things for people to just think about in general because I do think that happens so much. In this instance, though, his co-host on their show, Shannon Sharp, a former NFL athlete, um, uh, skipped work on Tuesday, so yep. refused to appear with him on TV because of that tweet. And then on their Wednesday segment, they had a feisty segment in which Shannon Sharp was trying to uh, uh, he he had a monologue, basically saying that he felt like what Skip Bayless said was wrong, and then Skip Bayless interrupted him and said, "I will not take, I, I will not, um, I will not take the the tweet down." So, again, I think what you guys said has a lot of merit. Um, and again, it's because what he, Skip because Skip Bayless technically is not like he's not wrong. He didn't say anything wrong, and that and he didn't say anything that. He just didn't say anything that was wrong. What he said was correct. It is just so grossly written uh, that timing people, too. The timing and and the way it, it's written. It was the worst timing ever. He's still on the field. No one, no one even knows if the guy's alive. And he tweets that. So it was so the worst write, timing you write in the world. A tweet that's like hard to understand. It's almost like you got to decipher it. Um, maybe he's too smart for us common folk. But he, and and again and now he he's just being stubborn. That the rest of it is stubborn because he knows he's in the right. He's taking this what he believes to be a righteous road. So that that's also just silly of him. Well, he could have taken it down and avoided the issues in the first. It reminds me of some of the things that you know in the last couple of years regarding health and safety and all that. That a lot of times there was these decisions being made and opinions had that really were about the the health of a couple individuals instead of thinking about the meta impact of like jobs or things like that. And like, I don't know, like again, extending some uh, intellectual grace towards this guy. Maybe he's thinking, Hey, if this season gets messed up, how many could people lose money? Could people lose jobs? Could people lose, you know, like it does one instant doesn't uh, could have a, a, a wider impact. So it's just interesting. I think the question again is just, it's fascinating really just how, how how text uh, and social media conversation can be uh, interpreted. I will say yeah. one of the better things to come out of this, though, is Damar Hamlin's charity is now over $8.5 million raised since this happened. So it's still bad what happened, but in a positive light, his charity is thriving right now. So. Can I just say right. something I find absolutely hilarious? Of Skip Bayless's last, let's just say, six tweets two of them at the bottom from three hours ago are both worded in ways that intentionally want to confuse you as the reader. Just, just He's almost doubling down as a meme on his, his tweets. I'm going to read the last sentence of this last one. Now the Cowboys stumble backward toward Tampa. Wordplay, right? Which, which is, okay, yeah, that can be interpreted as regular English. No penalty, but the ball don't lie. Game-winning field goal. Hit the right upright. Like now, I think he's doubling down on weird words in combination that can be taken in different directions. I think I think he's trolling at this point. Um, like I said, I, I believe he believes he's on this righteous road. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he meant no harm with this tweet and stuff. Just to- I, I, I think though, I think what you brought up is fascinating that I think that, that one of the, the currencies of internet traffic is, is controversy, controversy and confusion. Controversy creates... Conver- like so... What, what makes social media content move? People engaging with it. 
what makes people engage more than anything is them feeling like they're asking a question or leveraging an opinion, which in the case of controversy and confusion is when people have the most things to say or to ask. So, and I think we see that somewhat in our business. I mean, it, it, like, you know, Ms. Kiff for forever, obviously before all this, it, like half of his, his Twitch titles were just drama. And, you know, and then like Keemstar, I'm like, it, again, stuff needs to be talked about. We're talking about it right now. But it's like, at what level do you intentionally farm confusion? I think that's it's I not mean, good. And, and then there's a level of how far do you defend uh, toxicity on the internet? And this kind of leads us into what will be the, I think, a, a closing topic for us here today. Um, Andrew Tate, who was arrested on his visit to Romania off the accusations of, um, is it, is it kidnapping and human trafficking and other stuff, a bunch of stuff. He has got a bunch of very serious crimes that he is being accused of and the internet goes crazy. But what's most interesting about this and how it pertains to it even being a topic here in the first place on an esports podcast is G2 Carlos. No, excuse me. Formally. G2 Carlos Ocelot yeah. um, continues to double down on his defense of Andrew Tate, which again is arguably the reason he lost his position as CEO in G2 in the first place. And I don't know if they forced him to sell his shares of the company or anything like that too, but um, you know, he, it's just such a weird battle for him to decide to fight for advocate for um, because it doesn't have to be said, right? Some things don't have to be brought to the internet, but it's almost like, I don't know, I guess he enjoys the attention. It's just like, is that what it is? Are you talking Carlos or Tate? I'm talking Carlos. I mean, Andrew Tate's a whole different, Yeah, he's in a whole different, you know, lane, if you will. Andrew Tate has some of the most radical things when it comes down to females and his takes and, you know, having you know, all types of elements of misogyny, you know, woven into it. And then on top of that, he also reaches deep inside like philosophical thought and gives at times very much proper guidance and advice to, you know, male figureheads and others alike. Like, you know what I mean? So he, yeah. he's such a, such a left or cold and hot figure. It's that dude's in his own lane. I'm not, we're not even talking about it. I'm talking about G2 Carlos and the reasoning behind his continued interest in pushing you know, his relationship with Andrew Tate to the front lines. Yeah, and, and for people who didn't see it, because when I click on it, it says the tweet was deleted, but the tweet is still up, but says it was deleted. It's in, I think it's a new Elon feature where maybe certain tweets with a certain amount of traction. That, you can't hide from it. You can't hide from it. So Carlos said on December 21st, can't cancel me twice, B. I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Cobra Tate is the effing man. And... um. Like the, why? The only reason why I I can see is that if you read, if you look through Carlos's timeline, there are a lot of cultural commentary that seems to align, like beyond just what Tate is saying, that seems to align with it. And um, I mean, on one hand, right? Isn't this like the double-edged sword of of the modern world we live in? Saying I I. You got to you gotta, uh, give it up for someone who stands up for what they believe in, right? Which is like a gen, you know, cool general statement. But then the deeper statement is trying to discern what positive or negative impact said beliefs have on culture. So complicated. I, mean, I, would, I would say doubling down just in any sense usually never works for anyone in any of these situations. Like I don't <laughs> know if there's ever been a situation where someone doubling down has turned out in their favor. Right. I mean, and but hey, listen. You know, all all credits to Carlos. It does seem like he's doing just fine for himself. Um, I will say, since his quote unquote um, removal of his position at G two, he on social media has seemingly taken on a new persona, if you will, or mm-hmm. and or amplifying this persona. Um, his tweets now look like, "Hey, this is what peak cancellation looks like." I'm wearing a house on my wrist. Um, he's posing in front of vehicles. He posts a, a photo of a Calvin Klein model who is a, you know, a larger than average woman, if you a will, plus as size far model, as models yeah. are concerned. Yeah. Plus size model. And then he said, and his quote to that was inspiring the youth one fry at a time. So he is really veering down this path of toxicity and um, what they call this male masculinity, right? As far as an identity goes, like really trying to double down on that. 
posting photos of vehicles, trying to, again, just prove that he has a lavish life um, and he's living a lavish life. I don't he's doing know the- if he's just so mega influenced by Andrew Tate that he's trying to build, you know what I mean, build a persona in that niche, but that's what he's doing currently. He's posting the standard, like, TikToker, uh, millennial like posts on like Twitter, like flexing this. I have, I'm doing this, and you're sitting at home. He's like taking that trend that you'll see all over social media. So, and and what I will say is his tweets since then have again dot digressed or like um, degraded down as far as activity goes. Um, January sixth, only 500 interactions or like likes, if you will, on one of his tweets where it's like. You don't need to know the time for deadlifts. I use these for deadlifts. And he's like showing off like some diamond jewelry. And then again, just like all the tweets following that, they've just kind of started continue to get less interactions. Um, is January 7th tweet. I'm straight, I'm straight up unkillable. Only 500 likes as well. Like he is literally slowly getting less interactions and it's not working. That, that's my point. Like before he was averaging let's say two to 3,000 on average, and people truly supported him. He is down to not even a half of that, but closer to a quarter, um, which is scary for any influencer. So, Well, and, and it's also just from a practical standpoint, his audience was not built on hot takes on culture or even flexes. Like It was built on esports and building a business and seemingly doing a really good job and seemingly being somebody that, that really went up, b- above and beyond to care about the people he was working with and, and video games. And so, it, 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 you know, just if, if someone I followed for one reason made such a hard right turn, I don't know that I'm always going to go with them, you know? Again, and I, I relate I, to that. <laughs> when I was tweeting about Fortnite, like, I stopped tweeting about Fortnite, and, you know, you start losing followers. That happens to anyone when you change spaces, so. Yeah, so, like, he, you know, he's just continued to either fall out of just literally being in tune with this audience or again, he's just so heavily influenced by um, what's going on around him that he's he's trying to you know he's just looks like he's just taking on this new persona. Um, will it work? We don't know. Is it working currently? No. Like that's that's my point. Yeah, and I think I mean ultimately with both his 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 I, there's two polar examples that we saw in this. You know, I saw people celebrating the arrest of Andrew Tate, which I my first thought was, hey, if you really are anti him. Uh, of course, somebody needs to be brought to justice for any real crimes that they did 100%. However, if the real harm is his influence, him going to jail is only going to spike that influence. And then you take that to the other hand of, of, of Carlos's like very cheeky tweet about a young lady who he doesn't know when making these big statements. The question, the question in 2023 isn't, do people have opinions and comments on culture? The question is, is what you're doing actually changing anyone? Because you, you know what I mean? And I think that's a really good question of like, it's so easy to bash people we disagree with without realizing we're not changing anyone's minds. And if, if what they believe is what's wrong with culture, do we want to just poke fun at it? Or do we actually want to see people changed? It's so. no longer guilty or it's no longer innocent until proven guilty. It's guilty in, until proven innocent on social media. Like any time something comes out, like there, there's no longer like, oh, let me wait to see both sides. It's I'm picking a side and sticking with it. There's no, it, there's no more of that. But it, so. And it's also this entitlement. Everyone feels so special now. And not that you're not special as an individual, but everyone feels like their opinion is such an important opinion when it, you know, truly it's, it's another drop in the bucket, but now things get amplified to such a whole degree um, I mean, the entitlement, like some people will get hired at a job and find a tweet from an employee that they know nothing about from five years ago, expose that, make that person lose their job and then say, I'm quitting because I don't stand for these these core v- beliefs and views. And they blame the company and like, what does this guy have anything? You know what I mean? That's not what the company stands for, but yep. they make that story. We live in such a weird time. On people don't think you can change anymore. Because, like, like you brought up, like, old tweets. Like, 10-year-old tweets are being brought up on people. And it's like, people are different now, guys. So like, internet culture and everything was super different back then. So, yeah. And, 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 I, and we, again, this is, a, this is about as frequent as it gets. Like, this is what's happening every day today. People are losing their jobs for, like, the stupidest things. And a lot of it has to do with other people who feel the need that they are so special that they have to 
again, voice these things in a way that brings other people down. And people derive satisfaction from tearing others down. It yeah. makes them feel better. It's, yeah. it's silly, but it's definitely true. And la- last thing I got on the topic um, is just, I want to encourage everyone this year, like, don't just listen to people, extremists who hold some of your beliefs, but also carry a lot of toxic mentality. Because there's a lot of people who carry, you know, if you're drawn to certain aspects of the masculinity or work ethic of an Andrew Tate or whoever, um, there's a lot of people out there, even if they don't have as big of a platform, there are still people out there in real life and online that, that are just overall better examples and carry that stuff. You know, like an example, uh, some, John Berthenau, he played uh, um, uh, Shane on The Walking Dead. He was in The Punisher. He has an awesome podcast, man, where I feel like he carries a lot of the same grittiness and like, here's what it means to, you know, here's some traditional aspects of what it means to be a man from my perspective and everything like that. But is not, is not doing and saying some of the other things as that other person, you know. So I'm like, just, just don't settle for extreme versions of your own beliefs if they if they carry a lot of baggage. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Find better role models. Yeah, and again, in you know, we we see this everywhere. Like like we said, just to just to touch on some of these things. I know we've kind of gone down this philosophical route in in things about beliefs and all that good stuff. So not not to scare anyone off, but these are our own different differencing opinions right you know john has an opinion on stuff i do connor does and every guest we have on here will always have their own reflective view and we'll never stop anyone from expressing that um and you listening might just have your own different uh views so if you ever want to share that come join us on the podcast man we'll come out here and uh talk to us in a twist chat about it everyone's welcome I hope baby. you guys i hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode don't forget to send all your complaints to me at the fortnite podcast at gmail.com i'll allow you guys to start signing off this has been a fun one we definitely cracked the one hour mark longer than huge uh connor let's start with you man let the people at home know where they can find you brother oh yeah you can find me on twitter uh connor eo underscore that's uh, main place i'm active at i do a once a year stream maybe but uh <laughs> yeah that's about it good episode and ready for the next one and john yeah, keep talking to us on the practice of our socials for sure, especially our Twitter. If there's aspects of these these episodes that you guys have questions, comments about, or other topics that uh, you guys see happening out in the world, we'd love to break it down for you guys. Even guests that you want to see on there, tag us. You can find me as well, though, on Twitter, John W. Key Rush or John W. Rush on Instagram. It's been fun, you guys. And as always, guys, thank you guys for checking in with us. Our downloads have been steadily rising back up since our return with the last podcast. So. We thank you guys for supporting us year after year. This is officially approaching our third year of episodes. We're well over the 2 million mark. So we did that in the year of 2022. Thank you guys. 2023 is off to a great start. Let's see if we can crack 3 mil. Let's go, guys. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Welcome to The Practice Makes Perfect. Peace, y'all. Peace.